Well, good morning, Grace Church. I hope everyone is doing great this morning. It is good to see you. All of those that are here on campus, we just want to extend a great big welcome, let you know we're glad you're here. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we are so glad that you could join us today. And I know that the service will be a blessing to you. Those, are that, those of you that are here in the live audience, why don't you just look at your neighbor, give them a big smile, tell them you're glad to see them. By my reckoning, this is the first Sunday of December, so I don't know what that means, but it's just a good day to be in church. Uh, I guess it's the we're fully into the Christmas uh, season now, I suppose. So I hope you're having a great, great Christmas season and holiday season. Let me remind you of a couple of things before we begin our worship service. I do want to remind our church family that we have church family, or I should say first Tuesday prayer for our church family this Tuesday evening at 730. That'll be right here in the sanctuary, and I want to invite everyone to come out and pray. Sister Melanie, thank you for that presentation this morning in the adult Sunday school class, and she challenged us to come and pray, uh, especially for our families and our children. So please, please join us, and let's pray this Tuesday evening as a church family. There is an election on December the 11th, so I want to remind you of that. And then our Christmas service is December the 19th. So two weeks from today, two Sundays from today, will be our Christmas service. And I want to encourage everybody to make plans to be here and make plans to bring somebody with you. Bring a friend, bring a family member. We always have a great time on Christmas Sunday here at Grace Church. So that's December the 19th at 11 o'clock. Also on that Sunday, we will be receiving an offering for Christmas for Christ. Now, you may remember from years past what that is, but just in case you don't, let me remind you. Christmas for Christ is an offering that supports North American missions and empowers North American missionaries to plant churches. And we put a lot of emphasis throughout the year on She's for Christ, which is foreign missions, but this is the time of year that we want to support North American missions right here at home, and it's so important. And uh, to help with this effort this year, we have placed out in the foyer, out in Grand Central, envelopes with different amounts of, uh, that you can give. And so we're encur encouraging every family to take an envelope that corresponds with the amount you want to give and pledge that amount and plan to give on Sunday the 19th to Christmas for Christ. It will absolutely further the kingdom of God and get the gospel message further into our country. And then finally, last announcement. Please make sure that the church office has all of your updated mailing information so that the year-end statements can go out and get to you and get in your hands that you will need for tax purposes. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand together. We are going to worship the Lord. If you've come today to worship, I want you to clap your hands, lift your voice, and let's get behind the praise team this morning. God bless you, Grace Church.
Taking us higher. Do you believe that today? Shine. 
said this robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to meet my everlasting prize. I'm looking forward to that time when we're going to be caught up out of here in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. I think we should be excited about that today and I believe it's closer than what we think. Oh yes it is. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. It's great to see all of you here today. And thank you so much for coming, joining us on campus for yet another wonderful, amazing Sunday in the presence of the Lord. Seems like I cherish these moments more and more. Uh, since we were not able to gather, I just cherish the moment to be here with all the wonderful, wonderful people of God. It's great to have all of our guests here today. Thank you so much for coming. 
our live streamers, Facebook Live, thank you. Uh, we're so thankful for all of you today. God bless you so very much. And I want to say it would not be, uh, to me it would not even be appropriate to, to continue without saying something about the absolutely incredible, amazing youth banquet we had last night here at the church. Give it up, that's right. Thank the Lord. And uh, uh, it, it seemed to me like our entire youth group was here. Uh, just, uh, just about everybody I could think of, especially our junior high and high schoolers. It was an amazing, amazing time. And I want to thank everybody that contributed to that and uh, made that happen. It was truly, truly amazing, inspiring to uh, just see the amazing group that God has blessed us with. And behind them, behind our young people are amazing parents. And uh, we love and appreciate all of our, our families, our, our youth group families, may I say. Amazing people, amazing moms and dads that are doing their part to uh, present the kingdom of God to their kids and it is deeply deeply appreciated thank the Lord now one other thing that it would just not be right to continue on without welcoming here today our own brother Avery Allen Henson uh, Nate and Courtney's little boy we're glad he's here amen and uh, congratulations to Nate and Courtney amazing people and will no doubt be amazing parents and we're excited for them rejoicing with them and uh, uh, thankful that God has blessed them with a beautiful, beautiful baby boy. And we welcome him here today. I want to call your attention today to Numbers chapter 13. And uh, I want to cast a net. I'll be preaching to everybody here today. Everybody. But there's a few here today. I sure wish you would you'd jump all over this. And uh, just let the Lord challenge you here today. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. This would be the 12 spies. And he said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what is, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether it be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes so they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zen to <coughs> to Rehob uh, skipping down won't read all those names we don't know them anyway verse 23 and they came back unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch a branch with one cluster of of grapes and they bear it between two would be two men upon a staff and they brought of the pomegranates and of the pigs I want to focus today on verse 23 
And they cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. They had to put it on a staff, and one man got in the front and carried it on his shoulder, and the other man got in the back and carried it on his shoulder. They were so huge. That cluster of grapes was so huge. It took two men to carry one cluster of grapes. I want to preach to you today from the depths of my spirit. Come taste the grapes again. Come taste the grapes Everybody say, thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. In Genesis chapter 15, God tells Abraham that his seed will be a stranger in a land and will be afflicted for 400 years. Then God will judge that nation, which we now know as Egypt, And they shall come out, the Bible said, with great substance, and they did. The Egyptians gave them everything they owned. I'll give you whatever it takes. Just get out of here and end these plagues that are going on in our country. So God told Abraham that in Genesis 15. And then many years later, God gave Moses a word of promise to bring to the children of Israel. And this promise comes to Israel after 400 years of being in slavery to the Egyptians. The promise is found in Exodus chapter 3 verse 17. He said, I have said I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Everybody say milk and honey. We've all heard about the land flowing with milk and honey. We've all heard that. If I ask for a show of hands, no doubt the vast majority in this room today has heard of the promised land, God telling them that it was flowing with milk and honey, and it was. But then in Deuteronomy 6, it's like God tells the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, wait a minute. I know I told you that it was flowing with milk and honey, but there's more. Everybody say more. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10, it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things, which thou fill not, and wells digged, which thou digged not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou planted not, when thou shalt eaten and be full. In other words, God was just not going to give them a piece of real estate of no value and of no substance. I want everybody to understand that. He wanted them to understand. In your moment and hour of discouragement, you've been wandering around now in the wilderness. I want to tell you that this land you're pursuing, you may not totally grasp the whole milk and honey thing, but there's going to be houses for you to live in that you didn't build. 
And there's going to be wells there for you that you didn't have to dig. And there's going to be vineyards there. Somebody's not hearing me today. There's going to be vineyards there for you that you didn't plant. And you're going to eat. And you're going to, excuse, if you'll excuse the expression, you're going to stuff your face. You're going to have so much to eat, you're not going to know what to do. And it's all there waiting for you. If you'll pursue the journey, if you'll agree to the commitment, if you'll settle in and just keep marching forward. But then he went on to say, There's another small detail that I need to mention to you about this promised land that flows with milk and honey, that has houses, vineyards, all of that stuff. There's also giants. There's these huge people that could pick you up and throw you like a ball. They're there too. So there's going to be some battles to fight. There's going to be some battles and some people to conquer if you want this land. So while you study the picture that's on the screen for a few minutes, that's how they carried those grapes. I don't want to be trivial here today and over-accentuate the point, but on occasion, Sister Murph has brought home grapes from the grocery store, and she just held them up between two fingers, and they were hanging about that long. And said, look how beautiful these grapes are. And I did truly think they were amazing. That's a pretty big cluster of grapes. What if she had to bring some home and, honey, you're going to have to get some help. Go, go get the, a shovel handle out of the garage and <clears throat> maybe you can get on one end and I'll get the, on the other end if we're going to get these grapes in the house. I'm not exaggerating. That's how they carried them, the Bible said. They were that huge. But God pointed out to them, for every huge cluster of grapes like that, that you that makes your mouth water to think about it, there's a giant you're going to have to fight to get to them. God was just being honest. So how bad do you want the grapes? So Moses sends out 12 spies, as you know, and bring back some fruit of the land. And they go into the land and they spy it out, as he said. And they brought back figs and pomegranates. And I wonder what the people thought. Now this is people that's lived 400 years in Egypt and probably hadn't seen a grape in their house all of their life. It just occurred to me. Bible say which two of them spies was carrying those grapes I don't think it did if it was not Caleb and Joshua why didn't that right there make a believer out of them two spies another sermon for another time but I can't imagine what the children of Israel thought when these two spies walked into their camp carrying that. Give me some latitude here. Dear Lord, Bessie, look at them grapes. We hadn't seen grapes like that in all of our life. 
hadn't even heard about my grandma speaking of a cluster of grapes like that. It had, you would think, you would just think. Maybe if they had slain a giant, Brother Donnie, and brought that back with them, they'd have had a little more justification for them not wanting to go to their promised land. But when you see that and you've been starving to death for the past 400 years and you're going to sit and wallow around over God wanting to give you that and you don't want it, come on somebody, get on board with me. These guys were carrying one cluster of grapes on a staff between them. I believe, and listen to this point, it's important because I'm going to say it once. This was God's way of saying that I don't care how many giants are there and I don't care how many, how, how big they are. If you could just look past the giants, I'll take care of that. Look past the giants and just stay focused on them grapes. What God was saying is I am going to provide for you something that is so plenteous so abundant, so fulfilling, something so satisfying, something like you've never seen before, something like the world has never seen before, something like sin can't even come close to. I'm going to offer you something of such abundance. You are going to be blown away by what I can give you. Somebody needs to come taste the grapes. You forgot what it's like to be real excited for Jesus. This front row standing, what about the people behind them? Anybody excited about your relationship with Jesus today? Man, I wish somebody would help me preach today. Everybody clap your hands and shout, yes! Thank the Lord. All of you young folks up here, what were y'all doing last night? Dad? Whoop, whoop, whoop. What was that noise? Give me a little of that right now, all of you. Come on. There you go. Okay. That's a new 2021 way of saying amen, I think. Not sure, but we're going to take it that way. All 12 spies announced that it is truly a land flowing with milk and honey. And here's some of the fruit. They all admitted. They all testified. Listen to pastor today. God was honest. God was true to his word. Everything he said about the promised land is true. Including giants in the land. God didn't lie to them. He was not being dishonest. So the 12 spies announced it is truly a land flowing with milk and honey. And here's some of the fruits. And the 10 spies went on to say, nevertheless, or in our modern day language, what they said was, it's a land flowing with milk and honey just like God said, but. And as soon as I hear from anybody the but word, and I'm not referring to the anatomy, Go ahead and get that out of your head. When I hear the but word, you know whatever is coming next 
just is going to erase everything that was just said. That one little word, but, three letters, has robbed people of their faith, has stolen their health, it's deprived them of their dreams, it's kept them from their miracle, and it's slammed the door shut to the promise of God. I know God can, but, I know God may, but, I know what the Bible says, but you've been, we've all been down that road. God help us today to take that three-letter word and get it out of our mind, get it out of our brain, and look at them grapes and say, I want to taste that again. I want to feel that again. I want to see that again. I want to be a, come on, somebody, help me preach today, would you? I want to be in the kingdom of God again with all of my mind. If y'all hear that little noise, it's their way of saying, amen, preach it, Brother Murphy. That's the interpretation. Just preach to us, Pastor. We want to hear it. That may not be what that means, but today it does mean that. I've heard people say, I know God can heal, but. I know God can deliver, but. I know God can save, but. I know God can open the door, but. I know God can bring water out of the rock, but. Can he give us a table and put meat on it here in the wilderness? I know God can, but how many times, how many times have we stood on the border, on the threshold, if you will, of God's promise and failed to take possession just because we couldn't believe that God would actually do that for me and for my family and for my marriage? Every time you add a but to the promise of God, you limit God, you disqualify God from yourself, you disqualify His promise, you disqualify His provision. These ten spies all had the same problem. They had the giant in their eye instead of the grapes. At some point in your life as a believer, you say you're a believer. You have to make up your mind. What do you want in life? Giants or grapes? Giants or the enemies and the adversaries to the promises and provisions of God? The grapes or the promises, the blessing and the provision of God? Giants are employed by the devil to resist you to frustrate you, to steal the promises of God from your life. There's all kinds of giants. <clears throat> There's giants of fear and insecurity and inferiority and sickness and debt and depression and worry and anxiety and stress and family problems and marital problems and marital problems and marital problems and marital problems and, marital problems and, marital problems and the list goes on and on and on. Whatever name you want to put on them is fine. But their mission is to keep you from receiving your blessing and promise and provision from God. And to keep you from enjoying the promises of God in your life. <coughs> in life you're going to have giants or grapes. That means either the giants are going to occupy your thoughts and capture your attention and decide your action 
and control your life or the grapes will. And what I just said is true. And there's a number of people here today that lives every single day in that category. There's giants from your promised land that is ruling your life right now. And you don't have the mental fortitude and the discipline and the propensity to act on doing the right thing. But if you would, things could be begin turning around for you today like you couldn't dream ever happen. But you just keep fighting the same stuff, don't you? Yes, you do. If you're motivated and energized and driven by the grapes, the giants won't be a problem. You say, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor, you don't have any giants in your life. Do you really believe that? Can I just be real plain here today? Are you that stupid? You think my life every day is a piece of cake. Oh, you look at that suit you're wearing, Brother Murphy, and that old wore-out expedition you're driving. Look at that. You don't have any problems in your life. Everything for you is just a bed of roses. I struggle sometimes to get out of bed just like you do. And I have pain in my heart just like you do. But I keep my eye on the grapes. And God is with me every single day. So if you're motivated and energized and driven by the grapes, you'll shock some people. You'll be able to talk big and back it up. You'll be able to think big and back it up. You'll be able to plan big and back it up. You'll be able to worship big and back it up. You can even give big. And your dreams can get bigger. And your hopes get bigger. Because the more you experience the promise of God in your life, the more your faith grows. And if God can do this, then God can do that. And if God can do that, then he can do more. And it just keeps going and going and going. One of these days, I'm going to tell you all the whole entire story of the house that we're currently living in right now. But I will tell you this much about it. I'll let this cat out of the bag. We never asked for it. For where we live right now, some, a few of you have been there. We love it. It's a small house. Sets on two acres. We love it. I did not pray one single prayer for that house. That's what God does. He knows what you have need of, even before you ask Him. But when you're giant focus, none of that comes through to you. I wish y'all could hear me today. I've lived under this umbrella of blessing and provision all of my life. There's giants in my life, huge ones, that I fight every single... I don't fight them. They're there. But someone else is there fighting for me. Hence, I'm here today <laughs> preaching the Word of God. <clears throat> Amen. So you will make bold statements like Joshua and Caleb when they so boldly declared that day, we are able to take the land. 
We are able to do what God said we can do. Now I want you to know when you become aggressive in your faith and when you become bold in your confession, you're going to attract attention. Yes, you are. And you're going to stir up some people. Yes, you will. And your greatest enemies are not necessarily going to be in the world uh, or of the world. They might be right here in the church. The greatest enemies to bold, courageous, great-grabbing, giant-killing faith are going to be those closest to you. It may be family. It may be fellow churchgoers. And they are the ones with giants in their eyes. All they can see is the giants. All they talk about are the giants. All they can see is the negative. And they have decided that the promised land that God promised just isn't worth it. And there's some people here today that is living under that umbrella. You think the world's better. You think sin is better. The world and sin cannot provide for you what God can. So these people will fight against you. They'll criticize you. They'll persecute you. And they'll do everything they can to hinder you and keep you from moving forward and seeing your dreams in the kingdom fulfilled. The truth is, this describes many in the church and they've been captured by giants and they're being held prisoner by a giant mentality. It's a leftover mentality from Egypt because in the eyes of the Israelites, the Egyptians were giants. They weren't necessarily big in stature, but there were so many of them, they were so powerful. And they just carried that from Egypt all the way to their promised land. And say, we just can't win. No matter what we do, we can't win. These people will resist you. They'll resent you for breaking out of the giant prison. They'll criticize you and do everything they can to discourage your faith. But like Joshua and Caleb, we have to be able to say to these people, I love you, but I don't agree with you. It may even happen in some marriages. I love you, honey, but I don't agree with you. It pains my heart to say that. But just because your spouse don't have any interest in the promised land don't mean you can't have any. <clears throat> but I believe here today somebody's about to break out of the giant prison. I believe somebody is reaching for that big cluster, that giant cluster of grapes and once you taste the grapes the giants don't matter anymore giants are just something you have to deal with to get to the grapes giants are problems but grapes are promises and when you fill your eyes with the promises of God the problems in your life become very small God has let us know that it's time for us to break out of our giant mentality that we've been held here for so long enough and that we've been held here illegally, but today we're bursting out. God wants to give us a new vision, a new dream, a big dream. And you're not going to have your eyes full of giants anymore because all you're seeing now are the grapes. We're going to think grapes, walk grapes, talk grapes. When you close your eyes at night, I want you to see grapes. You're not going to see the problems anymore. You're not going to see the promises. You're going to see the promises and provisions and the blessing of God. This is a whole generation coming behind you. There is a whole generation of people coming behind you. And you need to show them how to deal with the giants and enjoy
You know, to me, the generally speaking, maybe not in every single case, but generally speaking, the reason our youth groups are doing, our youth, young folks are doing so well right now is because their moms and dads have successfully kept them focused on the grapes. Not the giants. And they face giants every day on their level, and God bless them because they face things in our culture today that I never faced, and they face things that their parents never faced. But so far, they keep their eye on the grapes. If y'all have put the pic of the youth group up there on the screen, this was the uh, banquet last night. You'll notice them two new young people right there in the middle, up close to the front. <laughs> I'm glad to be a part of the youth group. Sorry, you're not. All the rows behind these, y'all weren't invited, but I wasn't anyway. <clears throat> but that's who was there last night. And we had fun. I want everybody to look at Allison all the way in the back. Y'all see Allison? Casey was taking that picture. You know what Casey said? Allison on three, jump so we can get you in the picture. Casey said, one, two, three, she jumped and snapped. She's not that tall. Her feet aren't on the ground. It's pretty cool, ain't it? She didn't grow six inches last night. I just want to clear that up. Had a short conversation with Brother Dave last night after all that was over and they were taking so many pictures. And we were talking about how amazing our youth group was. And they are. Love every one of them. I love them deeply. There were some 25 to 30 of them there last night. Junior high and high school students. Some college kids was there last night. And we all talked about how amazing these kids were. And we all agreed it was because of their parents. go out on a bit of a limb here this morning if you're here today and you have a child in that picture would you stand <clears throat> so here's the parents and uh, you may look around and say who them yeah them thank you you may be seated I applaud you people today people of faith people that are stalwart in their faith and then it was pointed out last night that we have that many more plus coming. My question to you today is what about the parents of the group that's coming? What are you going to do? What kind of heritage? Are you going to pass down to your children and to your grandchildren? Are you going to give them giants for them to fight with? Or are you going to give them grapes of testimony? What do you plan to pass down to your kids? I'm going to be very honest and transparent. Last Sunday, I believe it was, I asked Michelle to share her testimony as a backslider, and she did. I was walking down the hall today thinking about the banquet last night. I stopped by the uh, junior high, high school class. They combined them this morning because the A Center set up for the banquet tonight. 
for young marriage, if you want to come, uh, if you're in that age group, please feel free to come. If there's any charge for the dinner, I'll pay for it. If you'll come. But what will you say to your kids? This ain't a good time to be on Facebook. Facebook can wait. All that junk will wait. See people crowd just steadily on that phone. Can you set it aside for five? Give me five minutes, please. Those of you that have kids, what, 10 and under? I'm talking to you right now. What kind of heritage are you going to pass down to your kids? Are you going to show them how drinking ain't a big deal? How worldliness and sin's not a big deal? That missing church at your discretion is not a big deal? Don't you think for one minute, just because you think you're getting by and you come on Sunday and do this to the music and live like you want to live during the week, that ain't going to save you. It's not. And it is certainly not going to save your children. And don't blame it on the church when the time comes. I would love to see our parents of our 10-year-old kids and younger to stand up, not literally but figuratively speaking, to stand up right now and decide in your heart, I'm digging my heels in the dirt. I'm tired of fighting giants. I'm tired of fighting worldliness. I'm tired of fighting sin. I want to be ready to go to heaven. And for God's sake, I want my children to be ready to go to heaven. It's not the time. Oh, God, help us, oh, King. Now is not the time to be giant-focused and see all these big things in the world. That It's appealing. I'm not stupid. It's appealing. Can I be honest? With the stress and pressure that I bear sometimes, <laughs> I've never had alcohol before. Now, if I could pour me a drink and it'd get me away from all this stuff for a few hours, you know, hey, I'm not stupid. Maybe a hit on, a, on some weed. I'm not being funny. What I've learned, what Sister Murphy and I have learned and a whole bunch of people here today, that when I get stressed out, I don't have to go to Jack Daniels and I don't have to go to an isolated street corner somewhere in the hood and buy me some weed or now go to these ABC stores, whatever they call them, and buy some now that's prescription stuff and whatever. And I, I don't have to get high with that junk. I've learned a long time ago that if I'll give my giant to God, God will give me a cluster of grapes and I can get intoxicated on the Holy Ghost. It works. It works. Yes, it does. It works. It works. There are two kinds of people in the church. There are those that spend their lives measuring giants and talking about how tall it is and how mean they are and how powerful they are. And they spend more time explaining the problem than the miracle. Then there are those of us who are weighing the grapes and they are willing to carry the burden of the grapes. They'll live the life. 
I said they'll live the life. Thank you, Melanie, for your presentation this morning. They live the life. I weigh out the cost of the grapes, but it's worth it to me to live under that giant provision of God where God takes care of my life, and I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about next week because God has my life in the palm of his hand. So what kind of God are you going to hand down to your children? I can't speak for you, but as for me in my house, but as for me in my house, we're in the grape weighing business. We're weighing the promises of God that are heavier and far more powerful than any giant could ever be. Some of you here today have had some giants that have been lying to you, stealing from you. They've been a manipulating and intimidating you, but that was yesterday. Everything can change today. I'm tasting the joy today. I'm tasting the peace. I'm tasting my salvation. I'm tasting my anointing. I'm tasting a breakthrough in my life, in my home, in my finances. Come on, somebody needs to taste the grapes one more time. Taste the grapes so your body can be healed. Taste the grapes so your marriage can be healed. Taste the grapes as many as you can, as many as you want. I'm closing, moving down in my notes. Why are the grapes so big? As I pointed out at the beginning, I believe God wanted to show them his abundant nature. God wanted to show them just how big he was and how amazing he could provide. Don't think because you have good income you did that. You say, well, I'm smart, Brother Murphy. Who gave you that intelligence? just a thought from God's mind he could have made you a bumbling idiot your entire life could have but he didn't he was kind so today as our musicians and singers come here's some grapes that I would like for some of you to taste There's people here today that I would love for you to taste the grapes of repentance again. You remember however long ago it was that you repented of sin for the first time? Can anybody remember that? You came down to the front. It may have been an altar bench. It may have been steps. It may have been the front row chairs. It may be close proximity of where you're sitting now, but you blubbered and cried tears and you snotted everywhere. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. And all of a sudden, it occurs to you. Man, something just lifted off of my shoulders. Something just, man, alive. I feel so light. You know, one of the greatest ways to tell when people are praying, I'll let a little secret out. When they're praying, they've got their head down, they're crying. That moment they feel forgiveness, invariably with most people, that head's going to shoot straight up. You know what that means? God just took away all those sins of however many years. Took away all of them. Does anybody remember that? 
don't you want to taste that grape again? How many remember when you were baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus? We baptized a lady in Baker. I'll never forget it. Her name was Jackie Jones. We baptized her. She smoked two or three packs of cigarettes every day. When she came up out of the water, I've never experienced this before nor since. She worshiped for a minute and she said, what is that smell? Something stinks. I'll never forget it. Sister Murphy was there. Something, what is that smell, Brother Murphy? I've never smelled that in this church before. Come to find out it was her clothes she just changed out of to get baptized. She was smelling her own cigarette smoke and it stunk for the first time in her life and God delivered her just like that from nicotine. Just like that. I've seen people come up out of the baptismal water delivered from all kinds of stuff. Don't you want to taste that grape again? The beauty of it is you don't have to be baptized again. Once you've been baptized, that can come again with repentance. And God can deliver you just like that. <clears throat> Do you remember the infilling of the Holy Ghost the very first time? How amazing it was. I've known of numerous people. When they received the Holy Ghost, it's happened to a number of people. They spoke in tongues for hours. Sometimes even the next day. We have in our file at home of a girl that received the Holy Ghost when we were in Baker that wrote in tongues. Her parents dropped her off at a youth rally. Brother Greg Albritton preached it. And she received the Holy Ghost. And she couldn't quit speaking in tongues to tell us where she lived. We had to bring her home. I know where she lived. So we brought her to my office and gave her a pen and paper and said, can you write your address in two or three pages? I don't know what it says. But does anybody remember? I do. When I received the Holy Ghost, I shot straight up. I was 12 years old, just shot straight up. I don't know how I got off the ground. Speaking in tongues. And here's the greatest thing. is for the first time in my life, I felt like I was right with God. Clear conscience. I would repented. I was baptized. Receive the Holy Ghost. I'm right with God. Anybody want to taste that grape here today? So you can go to bed tonight and not wonder if you're ready to meet God. I used to work for Raven Horse Funeral Home. I did. I drove the family car, the Paul Bearer car. I drove the hearse. I did them all. And every funeral I went to, every funeral I went to, either the preacher or the family, said, I know so-and-so is in heaven. So I'm not going to judge that. But when you hear them talk about how so-and-so lived, God is far more generous than I thought he was. And if they're in heaven, what am I doing here? <clears throat> Y'all feel me? We all think when we die, everybody thinks when we die, we're automatically going to heaven. But that's not what the book says. Repentance, water baptism, filling of the Holy the start. Does anybody want to taste the grapes again? When was the last time you had a true bona fide miracle in your life? Think about it. When was the last time God stepped into your home and healed you or healed your baby when they were sick? Or is the aftercare hours stay open all night hours place, whatever they do? Is that the default all of a sudden? When was the last time you experienced a miracle? When was the last time you experienced deliverance? 
There's people here today that's fighting things out in the world tooth and toenail. And now that you've started, you don't know how to stop. Do you remember deliverance is possible in the kingdom? Wouldn't you like to taste that grape again? It's amazing. It's amazing. And if you would, you could walk out of here tomorrow or tonight, today, with a different hope, vision, outlook, perspective of tomorrow than you've ever had. There's people sitting here today. Had you asked me 20 years ago, would they still be here? I would say I'd probably not. The devil sifted them like wheat. There's people here today that have lived alcohol-filled lives, sex-filled lives, drug-filled lives, you name it. But they kept coming. And it's like every service, they focus in a little bit more on the grapes and a little less on the giant in their life. I'm telling you, this works. I've seen it for too many years. It works. It works. Next year, I'll celebrate 40 years of ministry. I can't believe it's been that long, but it has. And I've seen it for 40 years. Don't tell them to sit there and say it doesn't work. There's people today, if you would pray through the Holy Ghost or pray back through the Holy Ghost, your marriage would turn around quicker than you could imagine just because you're right with God. So while you stand with me this morning, while they're playing and singing softly, I am very proud and very willing and open open up the front of this building again to give you an opportunity to come taste the grapes again. I'm not trying to sound judgmental. I'm just asking some questions. But when was the last time you truly repented? I'm not talking about this. I love you, Jesus. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about get on your knees before God with a box of Kleenex and tell God how it's been lately and say, God, wash me, clean me. Just like you did however many years ago it was when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Cry the same tears. Do the same thing. And just enjoy the moment of taking a bite of that big old juicy grape and just let the Holy Ghost, figuratively speaking, run down your face and down your arm as you chew in and bite off a big part of God's divine provision. It's interesting to me, and I'm closing. It's interesting to me that on the day of Pentecost, out of all the comparisons that Peter could have made, <laughs> the people gathered around the upper room, you know the story, said they're drunk. Peter didn't deny it. They are, but not like you think. You want a drink? You want a big old glass of Jack Daniels or Tennessee Walker Red? Why don't you set the glass aside and say, God, I'd like another kind of intoxication. I want some Holy Ghost wine today. I want to, I want to stagger out of this building drunk and intoxicated on the Holy Ghost. I've seen people do it. I've seen people get so much Holy Ghost in them, all they can do is laugh. How would that feel here today for those of you whose conscience is guilt-ridden and you can't sleep at night and all of those kind of things? Come taste the grapes again and see what God can do. See what God can do. So as they sing, everybody, if you would, let's make our way up here. Follow our youth group. Follow our youth group. They're underage drinkers. Our youth group has become underage drinkers. 
but not as you suppose. They come up here every Sunday and they get a little taste of that new wine, that Holy Ghost every Sunday. They express it, manifest it in all kinds of different ways. How about you, mom and dad? How about the moms and dads of the next youth group coming? What are you going to pass on? Come on, somebody. Come on, Somebody to pray with, help somebody break through to the promised land, to come again to the fullness of the Holy Ghost, to come again to the newness of the relationship with God. Help somebody, please help somebody.
See you